This is Ryan Aber from the Oklahoman and Oklahoman.com here with uh, Justin Martinez and Barry Trammell trying this uh, Twitter space thing. We'll see how, how it goes our first time uh, giving it a shot. So uh, hopefully uh, this will uh, go well. And uh, if you have any questions, uh, we'll, we'll try to uh, get those or you can uh, tweet us or uh, ask them here. Uh, appreciate y'all uh, joining us. I guess, first of all, guys, game week uh, finally here. Brent Venables is a uh, first week as a or first game as a head coach coming up. Uh, Justin, what's the number one thing that you're looking forward to seeing and finding out about this team uh, on Saturday? Yeah, man, I think one of the main things is kind of the obvious one, Dylan Gabriel, first time suiting up for OU. I mean, obviously there's been a lot of, high praise from his his teammates, from the coaching staff, um, just throughout this offseason. So, you know, just to be able to see just how good he's going to be, because obviously, you know, he's going to be the quarterback, the face of this team, and he's going to, the team's going to be as good as he is. So that's definitely something I'm looking forward to seeing. And then, uh, Barry, same question to you. What are, what are you most looking forward to uh, about uh, Saturday? Oh, I suppose Gabriel. I don't think there's any mysteries about Brent. We know him, known him 23 years. First time as a head coach, first game as a head coach. But, heck, we know what kind of person he is. We know what kind of coach he is. We know what kind of personality he is. There's no secrets there. Um, you know, a game like UTEP, you don't really learn much. It's uh, it's a virtual scrimmage. If the Sooners struggle, that's not good. If they, if they roll, it doesn't mean anything. I would like to see them run the ball fairly well. You know, they struggled at times running the ball last year. And that was, uh, especially early in the year, that was a precursor of, of troubles to come. So that would be a positive sign, I think, if they can run the ball. Yeah, I think certainly uh, good answers all around. Hard to not go with Dylan Gabriel, but I'll go a little bit different direction and just say this defense and just start starting to get a sense of where uh, their strengths are if they're able to uh, make some strides from last year when they had a lot of talent at uh, various places across the defense, but certainly underachieved. Really looking forward to seeing uh, a, a guy like Ethan Downs, who's gotten so much uh, buzz over the uh, the offseason for the work he's put in and really fits the mold of a, a Brent Venables uh, type of player. Venables was uh, bragging on him again today, but also seeing some of those, uh, those, those uh, transfers on that side of the ball. Guys like uh, Jonah uh, Lau Lu and, and Jeffrey Johnson on the, the, the defensive front. How big of a role are, are those guys going to play? And then on the back end, getting a look at some of those, uh, those new secondary guys, C.J. Colden, Trey Morrison, a guy that uh, Brent Venables talked of today when he was talking about that uh, cheetah position, which I'm sure we'll talk about uh, here in a bit. Um, but uh, there, there's going to be a lot of stuff to uh, keep an eye out for on Saturday, even in a game when uh, OU uh, should roll. Uh, Justin, we got to look at the, uh, the depth chart uh, yesterday uh, for the first time. Uh, anything really jump out to you as uh, surprising uh, on that? Yeah, there's definitely a few of them. I think one that immediately comes to mind, uh, Jaden Davis starting at cornerback, beating out a guy like DJ Graham, who, um, you know, showed some some really good stuff, especially some big highlights last season. Um, but, you know, we this isn't a total surprise because we have heard a lot of people say good things about Jaden Davis um, and camp and whatnot. So 
that's definitely one of them. Um, I think either way, we're definitely going to see a deep um, rotation there at cornerback. So we'll definitely still see guys like TJ Graham. But Jaden Davis probably one of the bigger surprises for me in terms of the depth chart. What about you, Barry? Anything uh, stand out to you when you uh, took a look at the depth chart? Uh, no, I mean, it was confirmation. There'd been some talk about it, but Deshaun White playing the, the cheetah position, which is sort of the hybrid safety uh, outside linebacker, the old, you know, sort of a Roy Williams position, for lack of a better term. Um, and uh, he's joined there by Justin Harrington. So you got a linebacker and a cornerback uh, sort of meeting in the middle to play the uh, to play the position to disparate players i think that's interesting and it, to me it it shows when brent talks about defensive flexibility and guys that can do a lot of things if you got two guys like that who are so different playing the same position that shows the sort of the breadth of that of that position so and if you go back to roy williams and some of the guys that tried to follow him you can remember you know a guy that could play pass coverage but also a guy that could run the could run the uh, you know rush the passer with the pretty serious blitz package and, and those kinds of things, defend the run. So um, it's, it's a chance, I think, for Deshaun White to sort of become a star. So uh, I'll be I'll keep, be keeping my eyes on him Saturday. Yeah, I'm, I was actually going to bring that up, and I'm uh, really interested to see how that position plays out uh, on, on Saturday uh, and, and really this season with, uh, like you said, Deshaun White and Justin Harrington, two guys with completely different skill sets. Um Deshaun White's a guy who's played a lot and and had some success, but I, I think last year didn't have the kind of impact that I think a lot of people expected him to have uh, in, in this defense. And uh, you know, another thing that does is uh, you get David Agwebu and, and Danny Stutzman on the field at the same time. Stutzman was a guy who uh, saw his playing time increase there uh, late in the year uh, last year getting here sitting here looking at the uh, the scoreboard uh at uh this the stadium here complete aside and they've got the uh, kansas texas score up uh, kansas 14 texas 7 uh says uh about less than two and a half minutes into the game so uh certainly uh rubbing that one in here uh still a little bit uh, a year later here at uh uh, Gaylord Family Oklahoma Memorial Stadium, but <laughs> sorry, Justin. Uh, but yeah, really looking forward to seeing Deshaun White, seeing how he uh, breaks out, but also how the rest of those linebacker positions uh, shake out with uh, David Agwebu, Danny Stutzman. You know, we'll see if uh, Shane Witter uh, takes a step forward there. He's listed as a backup at that uh, weak side position, and then really looking forward to seeing Jaron Kanak, a, a freshman who's. Uh, uh, gotten a lot of talk uh, recently also. Yeah, and, you know, they, we've, we've got a lot of new players uh, coming out for the Sooners this year. Was I think Brent said 50% of the roster has never suited up for an OU game. Uh, my pal, OU historian Mike Brooks, I think he said OU's up to 40 or 41 new players who were not on the roster a year ago, which is just crazy. And this not terribly – out of the ordinary when you look at the transfer portal era but in in some ways the players are are sort of uh, symbolic of the entire day you know you look at all the newness you know it's not a completely new coaching staff but it's about two-thirds of one 
uh, lots of new administrators brought in by by Brent. Jerry Schmidt is back after a five year hiatus. Um, just you know, lots and lots of changes, and uh, that includes on the on the field where you know you look at look at uh, OU's top four quarterbacks, right? None of them were in uh, Norman last December. Zero. All four newcomers. So, I mean, that's just that's just nuts. Yeah, it is. Dylan Gabriel obviously played for for UCF. Davis Bevel uh, at, at Pittsburgh last year. General Booty, uh, the, the best name in college football, was in, in JUCO. And then Nick Evers, of course, is a, a true freshman uh, this year. Um, which, uh, Justin, that brings me to the next thing that. UTEP, OU should win this game, should win it reasonably comfortably. I'm also looking up there, and there's they've got, they've got a score up there on the board as well for, for this game as Oklahoma 42, UTEP 9. I think uh, the Sooners uh, would probably take that, although it also has them with minus three rushing yards, which uh, they certainly wouldn't. But, uh, Justin, if they're able to uh, put this game away and get to a point where they can get uh, – down the depth chart, uh, some guys uh, into the game. Um, you know, who are some of the guys that you're really looking forward to, to get an, an eye that maybe aren't going to be big-time contributors here early in the season but might develop uh, that way late like we saw a couple of those guys do last year as the season went on? Yeah, I think definitely I'm just looking at the running backs. You know, we know that Eric Gray is going to be the guy for them. Um, but then you're looking at Marcus Major, someone who, um, you know, is – poised to be able to bounce back from last season. Uh, Tommy Walker, Javante Barnes, I mean, these are guys that there's been a lot of talk and a lot of excitement around and just kind of just being able to see who's going to be that that second back for them, you know, who's going to be the one that takes most of those those carries when it's not Eric Gray. We're definitely going to see a lot of opportunities for that. I think it was a, was a Western Carolina. There were two walk-on running backs that had touchdowns um, last season. So, you know, definitely there's going to be plenty of opportunities for these other guys in games like this one against UTEP. So the running back is definitely something I'm looking forward to seeing the depth there. Yeah, and for, for those of you listening, if you want to you know, uh, tweet us an answer, uh, you know who are, who are some of those guys that you're really looking forward to, to getting an eye out uh, on, uh, on, on Saturday and, and really this first part of the season? Uh, I, I think to me, Marcus Major is a pretty clear number two. Uh, their running back is the guy whose talent has never been an issue with him. We know the kind of talent that he has. It's been about opportunity, whether that's being able to stay healthy or being able to uh, take care of things off the field uh, to, to be able to make an impact on Saturday. You know, we've seen it in the bowl game the last couple of years. Uh, Marcus Major has had, uh, you know, some big time games. So he's got the, uh, that ability. I think he's a guy whose role uh, we could see grow, but I, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing a guy like Javante Barnes, uh, the, the freshman, uh, I think he's a guy who could really uh, see his space in this offense uh, grow as the season went on. Um, didn't um, didn't get uh, Gavin Sawchuk on the uh, the, the uh, depth chart there as one of those those top four guys, but you know we'll see if he's uh, plays uh, early in the season and and what his role uh, might be. Brent Venables told us today that you know he wasn't really. Uh, circling anybody for a red shirt but it will be interesting to see how that plays out obviously that uh for uh the four game rule over the last few years has made a big difference in the way that uh, players 
uh, and coaches approach the uh, the red red shirt situation. But uh, anyway, Barry, what about you? Anybody that we haven't talked about that you'd uh, circle there? You know, I'd really I'm in, I'm interested in seeing, and he's not a newcomer. Theo Weiss. I mean, this is a guy is a five star. Um, you know, he's been up and down with injuries and uh, and good production. Look like he's going to leave. Decided not to. I think he could be. I think he could be an invaluable player for uh, for uh, Dylan Gabriel. We think of Marvin Mims when we think of these sooner receivers, but Theo Weiss is a guy that really grabs me. Um, I tend to think of the OU receiving core as downgrading gradually from the high water days of C.D. Lamb and Marquise Brown. Maybe, maybe the likes of Theo Weiss can get things going again if he's if he's healthy and if he's happy and and sort of uh, in in the in the fold. So I'm 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 wanting to keep my eyes on Theo Weiss. Yeah, and you're uh, reading. Uh... Abe Rojas's uh, mind there as he says uh, throws in Theo Weiss as, as one of those guys uh, you know uh, another receiver that I'm uh, really looking forward to see is, is Jaleel Farouk a guy who had a, a big time uh, Al- Alamo Bowl uh, against Oregon showed some ability to separate which is a little bit different from uh, a, a lot of these receivers there's no question they've got a, plenty of talent in that group when you look at Mims and and Weiss the former five-star and uh, Jaden Gibson and and Nick Anderson coming in as freshmen uh, some transfers with LV Bunkley Shelton uh, that's that's a name that's going to take some time to make sure I get down when I'm uh, in these kind of situations but JJ Hester uh, some of those guys but really intrigued to see what Jaleel Farouk can become uh, both for for the talent that he's shown and also just the intrigue of uh, his position. You know, he was a guy who came in as al- almost a, a, a somewhat of a package deal with Caleb Williams. You wondered, especially when Caleb Williams made his decision to enter the portal, would Jaleel Farouk follow? Jaleel Farouk ultimately decided to stay. And I think uh, he could be a really, really important piece uh, for this group. Yeah, for sure. I mean, if just the way he ended out last season is any indication of of his potential, you know, there's definitely a lot of reason for excitement there. Um, you touched on some of the other wide receivers like Jaden Gibson too. Definitely a guy who comes in with six five, one ninety five. I mean, big body they could be able to target. So for sure, there's a lot of these guys that you know you would hope in a game like this against UTEP, there's going to be plenty of opportunities for them to uh, to to show what they have. Yeah, and uh, uh, one of the uh, Abe also asked a question: Why wasn't uh, Micah Bowens on the depth chart? And the the easy answer is that you know he's not ahead of Gabriel Bevel Booty or Evers, and he really struggled to find his uh, spot last year. You know, wasn't on the depth chart uh, then, or was way down it uh, behind uh, a, a couple of walk ons, um, including one Ralph Rucker who's still here. You know, it's going to be really interesting to see if Micah Bowens winds up playing here at all. And if he doesn't, if he doesn't somehow find his way on the field this year, does he transfer away and uh, try to find a spot where he can play? Or does he uh, just, uh, you know, become that uh, career uh, depth guy and uh, not wind up uh, finding his way onto the field? Because it's really hard to see him finding his way on the field, not only this year, but in the future, when you look at that depth chart with Gabriel and Bevel, both redshirt juniors, 
Booty, a sophomore, and uh, Nick Evers, a freshman, and then obviously you have a, a freshman or a, a high school player already committed uh, beyond that. Yeah, I mean, just to be honest, he's not he's not a uh, a Big Twelve Big Twelve caliber quarterback. If he was, the Sooners wouldn't have brought in both Bevel and General Booty. I mean, you're bringing in two guys just as a flyer to give you some depth behind. Dylan Gabriel, and that's because they don't believe they had it uh, beyond Nick Evers. So um, if, 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 he'd, if he had uh, transferred from, say, uh, I don't know, Akron, nobody would even think about him. But he came from Penn State, so you think he can play. Well, it turns out he's not, a, he's not an Oklahoma caliber quarterback. He's just not, and it's nobody's fault. It's nothing against him. If he wants to stay, stay around, be a part of the program, great. If he wants to transfer and play somewhere you know he's gonna have to he's gonna have to go down a level yeah so uh completely agree with with you barry uh there on that um d- just don't anticipate him playing uh, a role uh, this year at all and, pr- and probably not uh, at all moving forward to this team uh, justin one of the things we haven't talked about yet at all is the offensive line and um gets a, a, a new face in there with mccade mctower was interesting talking to him yesterday. He uh, got really close to pushing the edge of being pretty boastful. Uh, stopped himself just short of that. Uh, talking about how good he expected this group to be, um, and, and how good he expected this offense uh, to be. But certainly, the excitement uh, is there for him. You know, a quick thing with McCade Matower. He was telling me that he. Uh, you know, before his very first game, uh, collegiate start, which was his second game, uh, his freshman season at Cal, when he found out he was starting the, the day of the game, he goes and uh, spends a lot of the morning puking just out of nerves. He said he did the first, did that also uh, before he faced uh, Stanford for the first time in the, you know, the big game. So, uh, but he's certainly grown from that. He said there's, there's not going to be any, nerves or, or puking on Saturday as he gets ready for his uh, Sooners debut, but certainly McCain Matower is going to be a big piece there at left guard. And then uh, to me, one of the more interesting f- battles was at right tackle where you see Wanya Morris uh, listed at uh, as the starter um, with the uh, Savion bird instead being the, uh, the backup at the, the left guard spot. So, and Tyler Guyton, the backup at, at left tackle, a couple of guys who have, uh, were talked about quite a bit, uh, this preseason. Yeah, definitely. There's a lot of questions at, um, offensive line, you know, how good is Anton Harrison going to be? You know, he's one of those guys that's been projected as being one of the best prospects of this position for the NFL draft. Just what exactly you're going to get out of McKay. Just, how good is Andrew Rame going to be? You know, he had some ups and downs as well last season at center, which obviously is anchoring this offensive line. So definitely a lot of things that we would like to see answered. I don't know if we're going to get them answered right away, especially like these few games against UTEP, Kent State. But just in the long term, just how good is this offensive line going to be? Because, you know, obviously it's going to be very important for success for OU. Barry, talking about this offensive line, and, and clearly there's a lot of talent there and, um, but there was a lot of talent on last year's, and they never really uh, seemed to gel and uh, uh, come together. But when you look at position groups uh, on this team, what to you is the most talented one in the best position, and which one uh, you know is is maybe the one that you wonder about the most uh, entering this season? Offensive line is fascinating because. 
to me, it's sort of like what I said about wide receiver. There's been a general decline in overall quality. It's not that it's bad. It's just not as good as it used to be from that heyday of 17, 18. Um, and Bill Biedenboe is an excellent coach, and we know that. But just the overall, the overall effectiveness of the line has declined in recent years. Um, but uh, I don't. I don't think. I think I would say the the uh, the position group that would concern me the most is running back. Um, I don't see difference makers at tailback for OU, and that's crazy because they've always had them. You know, going down to, you know, Trey Sermon had trouble starting at OU. Trey Sermon's a heck of a player. He goes to Ohio State, and they feed him the ball. He goes to the 49ers, they put him in the rotation. And, you know, he's a freshman sensation and then played a bunch, but still he was having to fight for playing time. And, you know, if Trey Sermon was on this team, he'd be the, the star of the show. Same with Kennedy Brooks if he was back. So, I'm anxious to see, Can is Eric Gray an every down back? I tend to think not really good on the perimeter, but I don't know what he can do between the tackles. Is Marcus Major an every down back? I don't know. I mean, he's a hard runner up the middle. Can he do things on the perimeter? I don't know. Can the young guys, whether it's Barnes or Sawchuck or Walker, whoever it might be, I don't know. I just, uh, that to me is very unproven. And at a place like Oklahoma, where for, 60 years they've never had to worry about tailback depth much to me that's a that's a major concern yeah it is i think that's to me why one marcus major was a guy that i was talking about as uh you know needing to really take a step forward and one of the guys that i'm really looking forward to uh, getting an eye on on saturday it, in my mind Barry, you're right. I don't know that Eric Gray is a, in every down back, although they really like his versatility, and I think he's going to continue to get a lot of play. But Major and Javante Barnes, to me, are the probably maybe the two most uh, um, chances to be impactful uh, in that group, uh, just because of their varied skill sets. They can both be powerful. Um, I, I'm not sure that Barnes is a guy who's going to be ready to contribute, you know, on Saturday much. Um, but I, I think his role has a chance to grow as the season goes on. Of course, that Marcus Major is able to, uh, you know, prove that he can stay healthy and and take care of everything else. Uh, he's got a chance to uh, wind up being that guy. You know, last year they tried to make Eric Gray the the number one back. It seemed like all year. Uh, until what about two thirds of the season when they finally realized, hey, this Brooks guy's all right. Um, Kennedy Brooks got overlooked a ton, and I, I think he is a guy that people are going to sort of remember that they miss a little bit more than uh, they expect. Uh, uh, you know, right now, I know somebody that won't miss him. The Texas Longhorns. They're glad he's gone. <laughs> you think? They're glad he's gone. <laughs> Yeah, I think there's a, a, a lot of teams uh, that are in that position. Justin, what about to you? What uh, what what position groups stand out to you as maybe the uh, in the best chance, uh, in the best space from ones we haven't talked about or ones that you're uh, a little uh, shaky on? Yeah, you know, I think one with the really high upside is the defensive ends with Reggie Grimes, Ethan Downs. I mean, these are two guys that have been projected to be um, you know, breakout players for them. Reggie Grimes taking on more of a leadership role. Um, Ethan Downs as well, even though he's only a sophomore, has also embraced that. I mean, the defensive line in general obviously has 
big shoes to fill. You lose guys like Nick Benito, Perion Winfrey, Isaiah Thomas. Um, just how much pressure are they going to be able to be, uh, to put on the opposing offense? I think Reggie Grimes and Ethan Downs are two guys that, you know, if even one of them is able to break out and even come close to the production of guys like, like Benito and them, then I think that would be really big for OU. Yeah, I, I do wonder about that defensive line for a couple of reasons. One, all the guys that they lost – like you mentioned, Justin, but but two, just their importance in, in what uh, Brent Venables' defense have been and, and what they want to be. You know, they've got to be a team that, you know, is able to find pressure from uh, different angles. Um, you know, that uh, was an issue last year. I thought that they got a little bit predictable uh, there, there defensively, especially when you talk about, uh, you know, rushing the quarterback, um, which is why, you know, a, a, guy that we haven't talked about to this point, Jalen Redman, I think is, is so important. Um, you know, he's a guy who's listed as a co-starter there at defensive tackle with Jordan Kelly. I think the the obvious thing there for me is the fact that just he was banged up a little bit. Brent Venables talked about today that, you know, some of those uh, situations on the depth chart positions on the depth chart were more about players not having an opportunity because of health to uh, move up, or uh, supplant people. I think with Jalen Redman, who uh, dealt with a concussion some uh, during preseason camp, that's certainly a, uh, a factor there for him because uh, you know Jordan Kelly has has done some good things, but when they're uh, when everything's equal there, uh, Jalen Redman has shown that he can be a heck of a player at this level, and I think is going to be really important uh, with that uh, defensive front. Yeah, I don't. It's an interesting defensive line. Right now, there are no stars. Ethan Dane, Ethan Downs might get there, but I don't know. But they do have a lot of depth. I mean, you look at a guy. I was looking at somebody. Who was it? Somebody's on there. Uh, like Josh Ellison. Um, uh, he's like listed third team. Well, he's played quite a bit. And if he's your third team defensive tackle, well, you got some pretty good, some pretty good depth. Marcus Stripling's a backup. He's played quite a bit, um, so they've got depth, which I think is good. Do they have a star? I don't know. Um, it's going to have to be Downs or Redmond, clearly. But you know whether they make it or not. You know you don't have to. You don't have to have the Selman brothers up there to be effective. If you've got seven, eight guys that can play, that really puts you ahead of the curve with most college football teams. Yeah, and that's something that they haven't really had uh, in recent years. They've been able to uh, feel good about that that number one group. But beyond that, it's been a, a little bit uh, dicey. But they do have uh, better talent there. You mentioned those guys. And then, uh, you know, Jonah Laulu, another uh, depth guy. And then, uh, Barry, somebody that we haven't really uh, talked about at all to this point. Uh, you know, maybe we transition and talk about some of these freshmen that have a chance to make an impact. You know, our Mason Thomas is a guy who uh, generated a lot of buzz uh, o- over the camp, and that was reflected in the depth chart as he's listed as uh, a co-backup at uh, both uh, defensive end spots uh, on one side to Marcus Stripling and on the other side to uh, Jonah uh, Lau Lu behind Grimes and Downs, the starters. So um, uh, interested to see also what our Mason Thomas uh, can become and and what he is right now. Yeah, I don't know anything about the guy. Um, 
that's that'll be interesting. To, you know, Venables cobbled together the the recruiting class, uh, brought in new guys, that kind of thing. So I'm anxious to see a lot of those young guys and see see what they can do. But in some ways, this is still an old team. I was looking at the the depth chart. Out of the 22 starters, 18 are, are juniors or seniors, and so I guess four sophomores. I can't remember who they are. Uh, Billy got, Billy Bowman is one. Yeah, Jaleel Farouk is the only one on offense, I believe. Ethan Downs and whoever else, uh, Stutzman, I guess. Yeah. So I mean, that I don't know what the, how that ranks, but that struck me as pretty odd. Usually, you got more young guys. Um, you know, you don't see a team this veteran typically, but maybe with the transfer portal, you're going to see it more often. I don't know. Uh, m- much of the problem, and, and some of it hit OU, is, is guys leaving for the NFL draft. Sooners lost some of those guys. Um, but it's a, uh, it's a new team, but it's a veteran team, and that's a, that's a strange combination. Yeah, it really is. It, it is a strange combination, but it also lends to Barry, I think, a lot of intrigue and, um, you know, a lot of reasons why some of these early games, UTEP and Kent State especially, um, are more interesting than maybe they normally would be. Um, I, I know clearly with the, the coaching change, there was always going to be a lot of interest, but there's a, a lot of reasons beyond that why uh, – Saturday's game against UTEP uh, and then uh, next week against Kent State are you know going to be worth watching beyond just what the result is at the end. You're putting a pretty picture on it. You, 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 <laughs> I'm, I'm you, trying you're here. You're a right? artist of, of some renown. Um, yes, what you said is right. However, the older I get, the less excited I am for these games like this because it doesn't have to be. We don't have to see UTEP and Kent State playing Oklahoma. We don't have to see, you know, the uh, the likes of uh, Chattanooga playing Alabama. We don't have to see some of these games that we're going to see. Um, I'm ready for some real football, and, and um, we're going to be a little bit before we get to it. So we'll see. But is there uh... – Sunshine on the horizon, Barry. I'm gonna. I'm talking about long term with college football. Is some of the uh, conference uh, alignment shifts are happening? OU and Texas moving to the SEC. Do you feel good about the chance that we're getting away from as many of these games, at least as we've seen? Uh, it comes and goes. Comes and goes. I see what Georgia and Florida are doing, really beefing up their schedules. But then I see where the, in the SEC, for instance, they've been, you know, debating how many conference games to play, and um, you know the, the halves, the, the power teams, the, the Alabama, Georgia, Oklahoma, LSU, Florida types. They want to play nine conference games. The Kentuckys, the South Carolinas, the Mississippi States. They want to play eight. I'm told that one of the uh, compromises to play nine is that the SEC won't require them to play a legitimate non-conference game. So it could be just as bad as ever here in the near term. I just got to believe at some point the TV people who are writing these big checks are going to say, you know what? We don't really want to watch UTEP play Oklahoma. It's on game Saturdays on Fox, big Fox, as I like to call them. They're not, nobody's going to turn in much to watch Oklahoma play UTEP on big Fox. They want to see Oklahoma play, uh, 
you know, Arizona State or, or uh, you know, Michigan State or somebody, North Carolina. If you, if you, I'm not asking them to play Alabama or Georgia every week, but play a legitimate foe. And at some point, you got to believe the networks are going to say that, but they haven't said it yet. You would hope so, but we'll see how that uh continues to evolve but uh we're we're gonna uh wrap up this uh first edition of the sooners extra uh, twitter space we're gonna try to do this every week probably about this time um you know after we hear from uh, brent venables on on tuesdays and uh you know recap the week before talk a little bit about the game coming up and the state of uh, OU football but hope you all enjoyed it thank you so much for joining us and uh, you can check out our work for both Barry, myself, and also Justin Martinez, who had to step away. Uh, you can check out our work uh, every day in the Oklahoman and at oklahoman.com. Thank you so much for joining us. Have a good week. <laughs>